As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Phillies Talk Podcast presented by Team Toyota. He's Jim Salisbury. I'm Corey Seidman. And spring training is fast approaching here. Pitchers and catchers reporting within a week. And Jim, we saw some news that affected the Phillies Thursday night with Marwin Gonzalez, a utility man that the Phillies had their eye on, signing a major league deal with the Boston Red Sox. So where does that leave the Phillies now uh, in terms of them looking to fill out their bench? There's another name that you had in mind here. Oh, yeah, they've had um, concurrent interest in Brad Miller. So uh, they had interest in Marlon Gonzalez and Brad Miller. You know, similar guys that can play all over the diamond, including infield, which is something Dave Dombrowski had prioritized. Um, And uh, Marlon Gonzalez, as you said, goes to the Red Sox. The Phillies are expected to sign Brad Miller sometime before spring training. Uh, Left-handed hitter, he was here a couple years ago fit in really well in the uh, clubhouse, well-liked. Some pop off the bench, can play, uh, can play all over the infield. I wouldn't say he's a standout um, defensively, but, I mean, if you had a pinch, he can go out there and make some plays at shortstop. If you, if you, he, can, he can go to third base. And he also has a first baseman's uh, mitt or glove in his bag, which I think is important because they don't have a really a pure backup first baseman for Reese Hoskins. I mean, you could put Andrew Knapp over there in a pinch, but then you'd lose your backup catcher. You could put Bohm over there, obviously can play well there, but then you'd lose your third baseman. You could put Real Muto there on occasion, but you're not going to want to do that often. So, you know, Brad Miller um, likely to join the Phillies uh, before spring training and can help out all over the diamond, swing it from the left side, um, and uh, give you a good at bat late in the game as a pinch hitter, some pop. Uh, so I think um, – I think that's probably going to, you know, at least be it for the significant moves before they head into camp. Yeah, the Phillies needed some more offense on their bench, and they appear to have uh, gotten it between Brad Miller and Matt Joyce signed to a minor league deal. Um, Before we get to the makeup of the bench, Jim, you've mentioned a couple times the importance of being able to play first base. Is that because you think the Phillies are going to be cautious with Reese Hoskins early in the season coming off of his uh, forearm injury? Well, you know, I don't know what the, the, the game plan is, you know, on April 1st when the games start, but you at least have to have that in the back of your mind, right? That maybe he needs an extra week. Maybe uh, he doesn't progress as quickly as you thought in spring training. Um, um, I'm not saying he wouldn't be ready for the opening day roster, but maybe, you know, you want to go easy on back-to-back days out of the gate. Um, just the fact that, yeah, he's coming off elbow surgery. I think you need to protect yourself there a little bit. Uh, and long-term, they would be protected there with either a Balm or Real Muto, probably a Balm, and you can slide things around so Gordon can go to third or Kingery can go to third, and you can, you can kind of do uh, reshuffle everything. But, you know, I think it's just good to have that um, the guy who, who has a first baseman Smith in his bag. Well, so now the Phillies on their bench, uh, Brad Miller and Matt Joyce, I mean, Brad Miller not official or anything yet, but the expectation that they bring him in, 
Now, those are two decent options off the bench. Brad Miller last season was pretty much the Cardinals' uh, everyday DH, and he batted cleanup for most of the season, batting behind Paul Goldschmidt. And his first half, Brad Miller, was awesome. I mean, his first 75 at-bats, which represented more than 50% of his uh, season workload, he hit 307, slugged 600, five doubles, five homers, 20 RBIs. So, you know, Brad Miller has been productive. And he also showed that uh, – he also showed that toward the end of his Phillies tenure, too. You remember he had a – was it a three-homer game or it was two two-homer games the final week of the season in 2019? Really finished up with some big numbers there. But there's not a whole lot of right-handedness off the bench um, – offensively like who would be the first right-handed option off the bench on a night when Scott Kingery starts in center field for example <laughs> that's a good question I don't know that they they have one at the moment I mean I'm sure they're going to keep their eyes open um for for what happens in, in other camps but um I mean they waived Carl Carl Garlic I'm not sure he would have been on the roster but I don't see a lot you know you mentioned Roman Quinn but uh, he's a switch hitter but you know um, Scott Kingery uh, could be a possibility if he's not in the lineup. Um, you know, uh, that's about it. I, I can't think of a, uh, many more options. So uh, maybe they're looking for a, another right-handed bat out there, a Matt Joyce type that could come in on, on a minor league deal. Uh, I'm not saying this roster is, is set going into camp. I just think maybe their significant additions are probably done. But that would be a, a, a need, I think, um, a right-handed bat off the bench. We're going to see how that kind of materializes. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, even before... Um the expected agreement with Brad Miller, the expected signing of Brad Miller, the Phillies payroll is over $200 million. It was around $199 million, and that was before they uh, came to a minor league deal with Brandon Kinsler, who's going to be guaranteed a couple million if he makes the roster. And, you know, given his track record, Brandon Kinsler, a veteran reliever who has a 2.55 ERA the last two seasons, he probably has an inside track to a bullpen job. So let's go through what could be uh, the opening day bullpen for the Phillies. Let's start with guys that are coming back, uh, led by Hector Neris. Yeah, Hector Neris will be in that bullpen. Uh, not sure he'll be the closer, as he has been at times in the past. Um, but he's going to pitch, you know, late in games, leverage situations. Um, you know, when his split is – when he has his uh, – is commanding his split, and, uh, he's pretty darn good. Um, he's got to throw his fastball um, a little bit more, though, like he did last year under Brian Price. Um, and he's got to locate it, and it's got to have some zip to it uh, because that'll just make the, um, the splitter more effective. Um, but so Neris is there. I think Connor Brogdon is going to be there. I think we saw enough down the stretch, and I think they saw enough even the previous year in the minor leagues. I mean, he was a consideration for a call-up uh, in late um, 19 just because they thought he, he could bring some strikeout stuff. So, I, I, you know, I, I think he's got a really good shot of being in that bullpen. After that, depending on how, how big the bullpen is, if it's eight guys or if it's nine guys, I don't know what they'll do. Um, um, but I would say it'll be at least eight guys. After that, I think we could see a, uh, 
a host of newcomers. I mean, you know, Jojo Romero will be in the mix. Ranger Suarez will be in the mix. David Hale will be in the mix. All those guys are returning. Hale might, you know, have a pretty good shot. He's a veteran. He's pitched to Joe Girardi in the past. And, and you're going to need somebody to give you some length, right, especially um, this season. So I think Hale's probably got a good shot. Um, those other guys have, have options. Uh, they have talent. They have options. It's, they're going to have to go out and improve it in spring training. But, you know, Archie Bradley's going to be there. In, in terms of newcomers, he's definitely going to be there. I think Hector Rondon has a very good shot making the team as a non-roster guy. Uh, Jose Alvarado and Sam Coonrod, they, they traded for those guys, and they want them to be there. Kinsler with his track record. I mean, he had 12 saves last year, more than the entire Phillies team. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm curious to see how he does it because he didn't strike out a lot of guys. He walked a bunch of guys last year. But you know what? I've always said the most important statistic for closers, at least, is handshakes, right? And he got a lot of handshakes last year. Um, David Polino, Neftali Feliz, they'll all get looks. Vinny Velasquez could be out there, depending on how things shake out in the bullpen, uh, in the rotation, pardon me. Um, so, you know, I'm really – I think it's going to be a nice uh, storyline in spring training, you know, the makeup of this bullpen. They've certainly gone out there and, and been aggressive in, in addressing it, at least in terms of – uh, quantity, uh, at least in terms of power arms. I mean, you know, you know, Bradley can get it up there. Alvarado can get it up there. Coonrod can get it up there. So, you know, they've added some power out there. Um, so it'll kind of be interesting to see how that all shakes out in terms of the makeup uh, top to bottom in the bullpen. And it'll also be very interesting to see who Joe Girardi leans to as his closer. I don't know that he'll define someone a closer on April 1st. Um, but in action, he, he will, right? Somebody's going to have to come out that first week and save a ball game, and you're going to be like, okay, there's Joe's closer. Uh, he likes roles. I, we know that. And uh, as guys, you know, perform and have success, all of a sudden people slide into roles. And um, I think the bullpen is going to be better last year uh, than it was last year for a couple reasons. One, it can't get any worse. And two, the best thing that can happen to this bullpen was just uh, hit the reset button, and, you know, end last season move on and start anew. And that's, that's what they've done with a bunch of new faces down there. Yeah. Some of them, some of them are lottery, lottery tickets. And you're not sure what you're going to get, but I like to pick up of, of uh, Bradley. I think moving Hector out of the, uh, out of the closer role is going to ease some pressure on him. I think he gets uptight at times. I think you put him in a, maybe that seventh inning, let him really build some confidence and, um, and see where you go. And I like, obviously we talked about Brogdon's upside. I like that. So interesting to see what happens down there. You know, last season, you remember how contagious the failures in the Phillies bullpen were. Like, everybody they added uh, couldn't pitch to their career norms. It was, it was crazy. And it seemed like every walk scored. Every uh, leadoff double came around to score. And with Brandon Kinsler last season, uh, it was like the polar opposite. And some of that was probably a bit lucky. Like, if you look at his peripheral numbers, he had a 2-2-2 ERA, but with a, an FIP of 5. And so just for those of you um, – it's not front of mind. FIP is on the same scale as ERA. So a five FIP represents what a five ERA would. FIP takes into account only uh, home runs, walks, and strikeouts. And Kinsler did not measure out great in those areas. But he did have the lowest opponent's batting average in all of baseball with men on base last season. His opponents were five for 42. Curious to see if that will carry over in any regard. It kind of tends not to with relievers, the volatility of that role. Uh, but, you know, Jim, you mentioned some of the uh, – in talking about the bullpen, you mentioned a couple starting pitching candidates too, like Vince Velasquez. I'm curious to see what would happen to these guys who don't crack the rotation because at this point now, 
the Phillies have at least five guys fighting for two spots in the rotation between Spencer Howard, Vince Velasquez, Matt Moore, Chase Anderson, and Ivan Nova, who was a minor league deal. But you don't sign a guy like that to not give him a chance, you know? Uh, he'll definitely get a look. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of um, stockpile these arms because I think the depth is going to come in handy. I think you need the depth, but AAA is not going to start right away. There will be some type of an auxiliary camp. Um, where I think you can put some of these guys. So uh, it's going to come down to who, who pitches the best. Uh, you know, I think we both have talked about this. Vinny Velasquez is going to get the ball in spring training, and there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on Vinny, not only with the, the, the Phillies personnel. There'll be uh, 29 other teams looking, and I think, you know, that he could be a possible trade candidate. Um, he also could be a candidate for somebody that helps you down in the bullpen, right? But so – you know, they also have a couple interesting this Kyle Dowie. I'm very intrigued about him. He was in big league camp last year. He didn't he looked a little nervous, which is understandable, but he's got a power left-handed arm, and Damon Jones has got a power left-handed arm. Um, just hasn't thrown enough strikes. So those are also guys um in the in the in the mix down there. But it's gonna be, you know, they're gonna it's gonna be very interesting to see how they preserve their depth come decision time when guys need to when guys have outs in their contracts when guys need to be added to the 40-man roster um, how they're going to make room for them who they're going to prioritize what they're going to do with Spencer Howard are they going to turn him loose at the beginning use him in a six-man rotation are they going to try to idle him a little bit in the auxiliary camp or just you know if he's one of your five best starters in 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 um in Clearwater does he go right into the rotation so going to be interesting to see what happens there but they've They've added enough depth where they have options, um, at least in terms of decisions with a guy like that. Well, if some of these uh, starting pitchers signed for depth purposes perform well in spring training, like you said, it could really facilitate a Vince Velasquez trade because he has a $4 million salary this season. And as we said, the Phillies are so close to the luxury tax threshold that those dollars really matter. Um, and you want to leave yourself in-season flexibility, like you always say. Like if the Phillies are – say eight games over 500 as the trade deadline is approaching, you want to be able to add. Uh, relievers are always available at that time. Pitching seems to always be available at that time, whether it's a rental uh, or not. And, you know, that, that's as important as, you know, filling out an extra bench spot, I would say. I, I love keeping a little bit of flexibility. Um, uh, just so you can go out and, and address a hole and address a need. It's like, you know, Barney Fife. Barney Fife used to keep his bullet in his top pocket. So you have that little bullet in your top pocket. So. Um, yeah, I mean, now obviously you can go to the tax and then spend above it, but the, the way things are shaping up all around baseball, teams are not just – it's not just the Phillies. They're just not going over the tax, except for that team out in, uh, out in uh, Dodger Blue Land. So uh, it's nice to have that, that flexibility, find yourself in it. You can make a move. A move at midseason really can help you. Obviously, we all know that. It also can help in the clubhouse. Um, I think it can enliven up, liven up a clubhouse and, and get you where you're going. We've seen it over the years. So, uh, yeah, a little flexibility does not hurt. But it is amazing, you know, back in October, we didn't think they were going to spend hardly anything. And now they're <laughs> over 200 again and right up against it. What, a, what amazing turn of events. What an what a, um, interesting winter for the Phillies. Um, bringing back, you know, two – very popular players, Real Muto and Gregorius, two very good players, and uh, doing a lot of spending around the edges, you know. Um, you know, I remember the 1993 Phillies. They did a lot of spending around the edges, and they got a lot of career years out of those guys uh, and, you know, ended up winning the pennant. So 
Uh, I see what Dave Dabrowski's doing and uh, kind of like it. We'll see, but kind of like it. If you've been looking for a new or certified Toyota, come be part of the team. With inventory arriving daily, we'll help you find a vehicle that works for your lifestyle and budget. We'll continue to ensure that your next buying experience is as safe and efficient as possible. Our service center is open with easy online scheduling and a quick, clean process to get you back on the road safely. So head to teamtoyota.net and be safe, be strong, be a team. Hey, hearkening back to like the messaging or the, the tone at the beginning of the offseason, do you think the Phillies internally, you know, at the highest levels, at that point, say in like early November, early December, thought they could even have an offseason like this where they'd retain their two top guys and add a bunch of other players to, you know, smaller deals? Um, and like, if so, uh, does it kind of call into question why things were so negative at the beginning of the offseason? Or do you think that it was just the kind of thing where as, as the winter progressed and deals manifested themselves and they were able to get Dave Dombrowski and, and pull off some, uh, some other deals that it just kind of happened that way? Well, I think the reason why things were negative early is because of, you know, comments the organization's hierarchy made about revenues being down and, and suffering revenue losses. And that's going to impact what they can do on the free agent market. Um, being pretty clear that they were going to have to um, tighten the belt a little bit. Uh, so that shaped that negativity. Uh, but, you know, that was what they said. And then what they did was totally different. Uh, they did go out there and spend money. I'm not sure why they changed course uh, with JT Real Mudo. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, his number came down from where it was in March. It wasn't 200 million plus. So uh, the market drifted back to a place where it worked for them. Um, with D.D. Gregorius, uh, I think they, I think his market, they, they were more comfortable on a short-term deal, one or two years, and they ended up getting that. Um, so I think market factors influenced them. I also think the arrival of Dave Dombrowski had to have something to do with it. Um, and maybe public perception and, and, and the way the public was reacting about this changed their mind a little bit because there are a team that listens to their fans. They have in the past. I mean, listen to them on Bryce Harper. Um, I mean, John Middleton has made public comments about that, that your fans are your paying customers and you have to listen to them. So I, I think all of that um, came into play. And, and but I think Dombrowski came in here and, and, and said, hey, you know, we're not – maybe not a world series team, maybe not ready to have a parade, but we also don't stink, you know, and a, a tweak here and a tweak here and addition here and bring back this guy. And um, you're quote unquote playoff relevant, um, especially with the possibility of an expanded postseason. Okay. And even if you don't get it, hang around, make the right move. I mean, as bad as they were in the bullpen, if they can turn things around this year, get a couple really good seasons down there. Um, I think they're going to be better. They would have been a playoff team last year if it weren't for that. If that bullpen just stunk, they would have been a, a, a playoff team. Instead, they were historically stinky, right? If they were just regular stinky, they would have been in the postseason. So I think all those factors kind of just sort of added up, and they said, you know what, we need to try to stay in this thing. Yeah, they held the lead in 49 out of 60 games. I'm pretty sure they held the lead in more games than any other team in the NL East, so – that, that tells you that if they had just an average or even slightly below average bullpen, the Phillies could have made the playoffs last season. Yeah. So um, I guess that 21, they had, they had the lead. Tw they lost, they lost 21 games in which they had the lead at one point. 
and they had a seven ERA in the bullpen. Uh, and it was just, you know, like Joe Girardi said, you know, it was hard to believe. It was almost like hitters knew what was coming. So, and we've talked about this before. It was two months. Maybe over the next two months, things, you know, uh, drifted back, you know, more toward the middle. And all of a sudden, you win a few of those games. That's all. That was the difference between making the playoffs and not. It's winning a few games. But, I mean, you talk about a game changer. That bullpen kept them out of the playoffs, and it was the single reason that ownership blew up the front office. If they make the playoffs, Dave Dabrowski's not here. Uh, who knows what this winter looks like? So it's amazing how something like that can have a ripple effect through an entire organization. Jim, in looking at the construction of the Phillies roster, Scott Kingery, again, uh, does not look like he has a defined position. And Joe Girardi talked about that earlier in the week. Uh, however, when looking at the Phillies roster, it, it sticks out how crucial Scott Kingery is to this team in terms of the positional flexibility that he provides as a potential starting center fielder or a backup shortstop, because without Kingery, you're lacking that positional flexibility at a lot of different spots. When you look at the, the construction of the Phillies bench of like a potential Quinn, Hazley, uh, Joyce, Miller, Knapp bench. I mean, if Scott Kingery couldn't play all those other positions, the Phillies would be in a different position. Yeah, when they, when they signed him, when Matt Clintack and Gabe Kapler, I mean, Kapler was a big proponent of getting him on the roster and when he signed that contract and using him as like Swiss Army knife all over the place. Um, that's the role they envisioned for him coming to the majors, one day eventually getting to second base. Uh, I had that chance last year. It didn't work out for a lot of reasons. It didn't play well, but I think there were factors in that. He got knocked on his butt with COVID, and then he had a shoulder and a back. The season just, for a lot of guys, was off the rails the last year, including Scott Kingery. So, He's very. He's going to be very important on this team. Uh, the fact that you know Joe is anointed Segura the second baseman, and that's not surprising at this stage in his career. Um, second base is Segura's best position. Uh, they're paying him fifteen million dollars this year and next year, and he's a good stick. He needs to be in the lineup, right? So that's the place for him. Um, but Kingery all of a sudden becomes very important, possibly as your center fielder, back up at three infield positions. Also can play, you know corner outfield if he had to. He can play all over the place. Um, if, if Reese had a problem with the elbow, Scott King might be a third baseman, right? Because they might have to put Bomo there for a week or so. So he's very, very important. Um, ben, you know, has had three years now. I think he needs to come into camp um, and, and have a good camp uh, like he did a couple of years ago, have those really good uh, showings, get, get some momentum going in. Uh, and the fact that he's not the lead guy at second base – you know, he can't hang his head about that because uh, he, he can play a lot of ball this year for this team in a lot of different roles and, and be very, very valuable. So we'll see what happens there. Before we wrap up, Jim, I just wanted to mention that we have this series at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com this week, every other day, just looking at uh, the NLE's teams, what they did this offseason, their key losses, additions, their expectations going into 2021. And uh, today is the New York Mets who – also, reportedly have a little bit of interest in Jake Arrieta. That would be pretty interesting if Jake Arrieta stays in the division, faces the Phillies a couple times this year as a member of the Mets. Yeah, it'll be uh, very interesting. Jake's a very entertaining guy. Um, I think back to a couple of years ago, pitching against the Mets when he his elbow, you know, he had that bone spur. He couldn't command anything, and he um, hit Todd Frazier with a pitch. I think it was, I think it was a changeup. Frazier got all bent out of shape. They had words. And then after the game, you know, Jake uh, said if Fisher, if uh, Frazier had a problem, 
he could come see him and Jake would put a quote unquote dent in his skull. So very interesting <laughs> that he could end up there, but Hey, um, it, it happens, you know, all the time in baseball, strange bedfellows emerge. Um, so uh, he'll be somewhere, uh, Jake Arrieta. And if it's with the Mets, it'll certainly be good theater when he pitches against the Phillies. Um, but the Mets have had a, I thought they had a really interesting winter um, in that, you know, they were a player for all four of the big free agents, Real Mudo, LeMahieu, Bauer, and Springer, and a, what I would call like a mega serious player for two of them, Springer and Bauer. And they went 0 for 4. They were the team with all the money, and they went 0 for 4 at the top of the market. That said, they landed a superstar shortstop in um, Francisco Lindor and a, and a very good starting pitcher in Carlos Carrasco. Uh, they have a really good lineup. I think they're better than they were last year. And um, it's going to be a very interesting division, and the Mets are going to be right in it. So, yeah, we'll take a look at them. We took a look previously at the Atlanta Braves, who I, I just think are um, – Loaded for one thing, the World Series. They, they want to go out and win the World Series. Freddie Freeman's a free agent after the season. I fully expect they'll find a way to bring him back. But uh, he's coming off MB, M, MVP season. They brought back Ozuna. They got all that young talent in the starting rotation, and they added a real serious winner at the t- you know for stable uh, stabilization in Charlie Morton. I mean, his numbers over the last um, over the last four years are crazy. You know, he's had some great numbers over the last four years. Um, and he's thrown the last pitch of a World Series, so he knows how to get there. Uh, so I, I really like the Braves, and um, we'll continue taking a look, and uh, before you know it, the season will be here. Yeah, hey, the Mets have been connected in trades to several top third basemen. Nolan Arenado at one point in the offseason, uh, Chris Bryant all throughout the offseason, Matt Chapman is the latest name that has been uh, buzzing a little bit. They seem committed to, you know, trying to get another deal done for one of those big third basemen. Their their current third baseman projects to be J.D. Davis, who's had two pretty good years there. I thought he's been a a really nice piece, but I guess the Mets are still trying to upgrade, perhaps because they struck out on those top free agents. Yeah, they they have – they made a $105 million offer to Trevor Bauer, and um, he went to the Dodgers. So, conceivably, they still have a, you know, a pretty big check in their – checkbook if they want to if they want to write it so yeah they're dangerous they're gonna be dangerous on the field and they're gonna be dangerous because of their um financial might as well and at least just keeps getting better and better and better well that's gonna wrap up this phillies talk podcast like we said spring training pitchers and catchers reporting next week it's finally almost here he's jim i'm Corey. thanks for listening